If you would, please take out your Bibles and turn them over to Genesis chapter 1 this morning. As you know, on Communion Sundays, we often will break away from our normal exposition to look at a topic, and I am going to tell you exactly what has inspired this topic this morning. This morning, we're going to specifically be looking at Genesis 1, uh, verses 26 to 31. And uh, if you have any familiarity at all with, with Genesis uh, you perhaps remember that is the specific passage in chapter 1 where, where God begins to talk about the creation of humanity, man and male and female. Uh, when I thought about us preparing for the supper and thinking through what does it mean to be made in the image of God, a couple of thoughts came to mind. Well, one primarily is just as we know the broader culture in which we live has just gotten through or has just finished celebrating uh, Pride Month. And, of course, the, the, real, the real question for us as Christians is how do we interact in those conversations? Or if we're ever engaged in the public square on this topic, where do we begin? What do we say? How do we, how do we respond as believers to this particular topic? To me, that's very clear in Scripture what the Lord says and doesn't say about sexual ethic. But we have a choice. Where do we begin in our conversations with people on this matter? That was my first that was my first motivating, uh, f- the first motivating factor in sharing with you from Genesis this morning. The second is a, a little bit more personal. This past week, Joanna has been sick, and I had to go to the store to pick up some medication for her. And at the particular store I was in, I had a, a, an exchange with a young woman behind the counter. Now, judging by her appearance, she probably preferred to be called a he, but it, but it never came up. It never came up. I looked at her, and physically, she was woman. She was trying to look like a man. And we had the most pleasant conversation. We actually talked about classic rock, if you want to know the truth. It was a, don't, I don't want you to get it in your head. I had this deep theological conversation. We were talking about the band Pink Floyd, to be honest with you. That's neither here nor there. But as we had this very pleasant conversation, it was a conversation that humanized her and me. There was no political division. There was no moral division. There was just two human beings exchanging pleasantries, having a conversation, and walking away with, well, sir, you have a good day. And I said, you too. And I walked away sad because I knew what she was chasing or is chasing is not going to be found in hormone therapy or growing facial hair or dyeing her hair a certain color or making her body look a certain way. The answers that she's looking for are so much deeper than that. I prayed for her. I saw her name tag, and I prayed for her as I left there. But when I left there, the words of Genesis were rolling around in my head. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it, and it began to formulate for me, what is our response in those moments? If we're invited into conversation, where does it begin? Does it begin with a sledgehammer stroke, or do we begin at something that to me, not just to me, I'll just say this, that is objectively foundational to the conversation? What is humanity? Whose image are we created in? If there is a rhythm to our philosophy, i.e., a worldview to which we hold, creation, fall, 
redemption restoration, where do topics like Pride Month or human sexuality fit into that? Well, they fit into the category of they're part of God's creation, they are affected by the fall, they need to be redeemed, and we need to be restored in those things. And so if you take a worldview look at it, and you ask yourself, how do we have conversations where, yes, you might be accused of bigotry. Yes, you might be accused of phobia. Yes, you might be accused of all sorts of hateful speech. And yet, if we start in the beginning, which is what Genesis is, and we begin to build a case for we are created this way, the fall affected us this way, we are redeemed this way, and the goal of said redemption is a restoration that will ripple out into eternity. Beloved, that's where we have to start. That's where we have to root ourselves and begin. And so this morning, I want for us, as we, as we look at the supper, and why bring this topic up on this day? Well, because Jesus came as a man, created in the image of God, to actually secure both the redemption and the restoration that broken humanity has come under due to sin. Right? So we don't, we don't normalize a cultural sexuality. We don't normalize a cultural philosophy and call it their truth or, or his lived experience to, or, or, her, or her own way. What we have to say is there is a way that is right. And in fact, the Bible would tell us there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And if we believe that, if we, if we genuinely and earnestly believe that, then, beloved, it, it's good for us ever so often to come back around to these basic foundational doctrines that define who we are and that define truth for us so that we don't have to result in these bickering back and forth. We're resolved or we're relieved of this need to make someone see we're right. We just stand on the truth of God. And so, really, without further delay, I want us to move into the text this morning. It is Genesis chapter 1. We'll be looking specifically and briefly at verses 21 to 30, uh, 26 to 31. And just by way of reminder, I almost never do this. I don't like to parachute into a text and not lay out the context. The context of this is the days of creation. And we're, we're, getting, we're getting a song, as it were. This is way more poetical than prosaic, this, this whole first chapter, we're getting a song, as it were, of what creation, what the creation looked like, and, and we've culminate with God's creating humanity. So that's where we are this morning, starting in verse 26. Beloved of God, this is God's infallible, inerrant word. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, 
And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So when it's the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing. Please pray with me. Father, this beautiful paragraph is before us, and it has value for where we are, for where we live our lives. I pray that we would see the depths of its truth, the beauty of it as it shines, and that it would compel us to be bold in our love and in our stand for you. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. When we think about how humanity is gifted, of course, we can turn to the New Testament and we find all manner of spiritual gifts that we have. Uh, Paul lists them out. They are listed out repeatedly in the New Testament. But one of the foundational, primary gifts that God has given us, and it's, I, and it's really the main idea I want for us to see this morning, is this, that we are gifted with being in the image of God, that it is a gift to us that God has created us in His image. We are not created in the image of a planet. We are not created in the image of any other animal. We are not created in the image of any other thing that has been created. We are created in the image of God, and that is meant to have a ripple effect for how we think, how we live, how we relate, how we present ourselves, how we, how we do all of life. Every aspect of our lives are informed by this primary truth, that we are created in the image of God. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to go ahead and tip my hand on the front end. So if the enemy of our soul, who prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour, if he is going to attack God, which is futile because God is more powerful, what is a, a secondary place of attack that seems good? Attack the image of God in his creatures. Set them at war with each other. Set a dividing line between them. Keep them divided. Help them to look at themselves in the mirror and say, a mistake has been made by the sovereign creator. I wasn't meant to be this way. I'm meant to take on another form. And so what happens is you have this fundamental attack on the image of God in creatures. Why? To disrupt the plan of God. To what end? To perhaps overthrow the kingdom of God. But let it not be lost on us, beloved. When we come to this text, he's laying out the sixth day of creation. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let him have dominion. It should not be lost on us that the first thing that God says after he says, let us make man in our image, and we, whether or not this is Trinitarian is another time for another discussion but let us make man in our image. And the first thing he does to talk about what it means to be created in the image of God is to have dominion over the earth. Not a tyranny, not to be dictators, not with no thought of anything else, but to rule it in the same way that God rules his people, with love, with grace, with charity, with kindness. But there should be no mistaking who has dominion over the earth. And yet, one of the ways in which culture attacks humanity is to set creation itself over and above humanity. If you take a naturalistic worldview that sees no supernatural involvement at any place and reduces man to another animal, just another primate on the earth, we begin to see why you begin to flip-flop creation as God intended it. To what end? To take away the dominion of Human beings made in the image of God we're supposed to have. Why? Because we're supposed to be, to imitate God in how we live our lives. And so one of the first things that opposing worldviews want to do is disrupt that. 
And so it shouldn't be lost on us that everything else from there is downhill. Well, we'll disrupt the dominion, we'll disrupt the image, we'll disrupt everything. But when we begin, God says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on on the earth. And so this is God's plan, to make human beings in His image for the purpose of subduing and ruling over the earth. And just please keep in mind, when we're talking about subduing and ruling, we mean with all the grace that God intended, not with a mean spirit, not with an idea that we can waste if we, if we so choose. And so then the text moves forward. So, so, in light of these things, thusly, so, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, just so you know, in Hebrew, the word man literally is, is Adam. Perhaps you've heard that before. It's a form of a word. It's built off of a word. The word it's built off of is aduma. Adam comes from aduma. Aduma just means ground or earth. And so the first man is created of the ground, of the earth. So we've called him Adam. It's very simple. There was no academic import here. He's of the ground. So every time God calls his name, Adam, He's literally saying, of the ground, come to me. You who are of the ground, come to me. He's talking about a specific design in creation, not made from another animal, you see, not made from another species, you see. This one was made from scratch of the earth, and that's very specific, and we need to remember that, that human beings are very special in the sense that God hand formed us. So in the image of God, it says that He created them. God didn't commission our creation. God didn't have another being create us. We were created specifically by God, formed by Him in His image for the purposes of dominion. And when we think about dominion, we need to remember that we can't rule over things if we can't rule over ourselves. So built into this was the commiserate self-control the idea that we are maintaining a relationship with the Creator, and that fuels us as sub-creators. Whatever Adam and Eve were supposed to do, procreate and farm the land, those two things were done in both worship of and glory to the Father, to Yahweh. That was their design. The way that they related to each other was meant to bring glory to God. The way that they grew fruit and harvested plants in Eden was meant to bring glory to God. The way that they treated the livestock, the fish, the birds, and all the creeping things was meant to be done to the glory of God. You see, there was this idea that when God created them, He created them good. Now, the fall will come and mess all this up. But the idea is is that our relationship with God fuels everything we do. And so, if that's true... And my relationship, my, my, the very, my very existence is meant to reflect God the Creator, then forgive me for saying it this crassly, but it, it, it's worth it, then who I sleep with or share a room with or share a bedroom with matters to God. Because God has created me for a very, very specific, and you, us, 
for very, very, very specific relationships on the earth. And they are commiserate with the fact that we are male and female. So I love this. So God created His own image. In the image of God, He created them. And notice it doesn't stop at male, female. What does that tell you? That in, in ancient cultures who might assign more worth and value to males in, in, Judo, in Judeo-Christian culture, there is equal value in males and females. What is he, he's, he's itching to tell us. Moses here is telling us that females share in the glory of reflecting the image of God. That is why there's something uniquely beautiful about humanity. There is something intrinsically more valuable about human beings than there are other animals. As beautiful as a, as a Bengal tiger is, and I love them. I think lions and are majestic. I love elephants. I love to watch National Geographic shows that highlight the animals. I do. They're not nearly as valuable and beautiful as those who are created in the image of God. Now, it doesn't mean we can do with them what we want. When we rule over the animal kingdom, we do so as God would with grace and love and justice. However, there's something rich about being made in the image of God. And God blessed them. That's how this, this, little, progress, this little progression goes. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, again, you get this subdue language. But what does be fruitful and multiply? You're talking about procreation here. Well, I mean, land husbandry too, but primarily procreation. For that to happen, what else has to happen? Well, you have to have the two species, male and female. You have to have the two human beings who come together who create more. Because remember, we're made in the image of God, and in some senses we have the capacity to create in ourselves. And part of that even though every birth is a miracle from God, all four of mine uh, uh, were miracles from God. I do not doubt it. But God has created us to do that, to be creators in that way. And so when we begin to attack, as people in our culture will do, especially in this previous month, well, gender doesn't matter, sexuality doesn't matter, it's private matter, it's whatever makes me happy, Beloved, that runs directly against the very fabric of our creation. The very DNA that courses through our veins begs to differ with those statements. And it must, and we must. And we must risk being ostracized. We must risk people labeling us in ways in which are not ideal. Because this is not just a, oh, well, they believe differently. This is a matter of eternal life and death. If we get it wrong from Genesis 1, the rest of it is going to go awry. This is the beginning. This is the Genesis, no pun intended, of the gospel. It has to begin right here with how God created us. multiply, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Again, there it is over the fish of the sea, of the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, again, here's where we have to come to this. What messed that up? Well, it wasn't because men are men and women are women. It was that sin came into the world and changed the psyche of human beings. 
So now subdue becomes rule with an iron fist. Now relational accord becomes discord because we're each vying for different things within those relationships that we weren't designed to have or do. But I want us to understand, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, there is not a human being alive that their sexuality is fundamental to their identity. It is a lie from this culture, and we need to stand against it. We are not blank Christians, whether that's heterosexual and some people try to, to use other. We are, we are Christians created. We are people created in the image of God and the sexuality part is a necessary part for procreation, and it is a gift given by God to be expressed at the proper and appropriate time in marriage between a biological male and a biological woman. And it seems crazy to me at 47 that that is a controversial statement, and yet it is. So when we start thinking about the supper... I want to just make a little application here. We ought to know that Jesus, when he came to redeem humanity, to begin the process of restoration, to redeem humanity from brokenness, that one of the broken things he needed to redeem was sexual brokenness. We need not pretend that the same types of issues, maybe not to the degree now, weren't alive and well in ancient cultures. There, were, there was Subile in at least 200 B.C. had males pretending to be females and mutilating their bodies to look like females. So what we're looking at in culture is not new. It is, it is very much a human, sinful, wicked practice that Jesus has come to redeem. And so we're looking at a culture, and we're asking, how does the image of God bear witness here? Well, by standing up for the biblical principle of what it means to be created in the image of God, we begin a truth journey and we invite other people along. Yes, it's not always going to be received well if we start talking about language of redemption for sexual brokenness, and yet what choice do we have? If we would be faithful, we must. We can do so with joy, we can do so with love, we can do so with charity, we can do so with humility, and we should. But, beloved, we should not fear to stand on basic principles of truth that are here in the Word of God. If we do believe in sola scriptura, it defines how we have conversations about this topic. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And in verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. What is, what is God getting at? Part of His gracious creation for humans is provision. He's provided a way to procreate. He's provided a way to survive and be sustained. He's provided a way to relate rightly to Him. Of course, after sin comes, that, that way needs to be fixed through Jesus. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given green plant for food. And it was so. So I want us to see that God has made ample provision for how we live our lives and the way in which we live our lives. God has made and given express commands for what it means for us to relate to one another what it means for us to be in relationship with Him and how that relationship with Him should be worked out in our relationships with one another. 
God created them male and female. That's where we begin. That, that type of biology, I'm just going to tell us right here, right now, that is an immutable fact. What do you mean by immutable? It doesn't change. You can try to surgically alter it, but it does not fundamentally change who you are. Because I promise you, 200 years from now, if they dig up skeletons, they're going to know this was a female, this was a male, because it is biologically immutable. But Brad, why is that, is, why is that important? Beloved, it's important because God made it that way. And if we're going to be people of the Word and people who stand on the truth of God, then it begins taking these fundamental facts and saying, here I stand, I can do no other. This is not about owning anybody. This is not about embarrassing anybody. This is not about winning any sort of argument. This is about standing on principles of truth and fidelity. Because when we look at people like the young woman I ran into in the, in the store, what I see is a sheep without a shepherd, a deep sense of brokenness that is crying out for answers that they're never going to find where they're searching. It comes in one place. Here's how I love that Moses ends this little paragraph. It is so beautiful and cool. As we'd really need to read the whole chapter to, to get the full flow of it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was not good that man should be alone. And then he kind of brings it this. So everything that God creates, he calls it good. Then he sees man is alone, and that's not good. And then in verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. It was very good. Part of the very good declaration here is this idea that you have males and females made in the image of God, both created to reflect His glory, both meant to come together as a reflection of His relationship with us, and both meant to multiply and be faithful on the earth. It's a simple, it's a simple mission statement. Glory in God for how He created you. Relate to others in a way that brings glory to God. Work in a way that brings glory to God. Present yourself in a way that brings glory to God. Live for the glory of God. Beloved, when we talk about being made in the image of God, it doesn't just mean that because we have hands and, and eyes and, and ears and feet. Well, God is spirit. And so for us, fundamentally, to be made in the image of God is there's something deeper than the hands and eyes and ears and feet that reflect who God is, something at a heart-soul level. So part of the image of God is the capacity to have dominion. Part of the image of God is the capacity to love in ways that are sacrificial. Part of the image of God are ways in which to relate in ways that transcend human logic at times. Love is not always logical, and yet we are creatures who can reflect those things. And so when we think about the supper this morning, why did Jesus come? Jesus came to redeem that very thing. What is the, what is the human propensity? The psalmist called it out. The psalmist said they live like beasts before you. When left to ourselves, dear friends, we will get bestial. We will interact, and we will get savage, and we will lack justice, and we will pursue death 
for our own ends. So why does Jesus come? He comes to redeem all that, to bring us back to where God intended us to be as image bearers, reflecting the image of God to the world. And let's keep in mind, there is a spiritual component to that, and there is absolutely a physical component to that. We are body and soul made together in one being and so in our, that our souls long for and are connected with the Lord and that in our bodies we carry ourselves in such a way that we draw other people to the truth and that first and foremost begins with understanding there is a set pattern for creation, male and female. And however you are created, we remember and remind that is not a mistake. That's not a mistake. That was intentional on God's part. You are made to be who you are. And can I tell you and encourage you? This may not feel like encouragement now, but hang on to it. You are made to be who you are, warts and all. You are made to be who you are, and I am made to be who I am, warts and all. It's not as if when God created us, He didn't know our struggles. He didn't know our weaknesses. He didn't know all the things that would throw obstacles up in our lives. He knew every single one of them. And guess what? He made us anyway just the way that we are. So this is not a plea to say, don't go to the doctor and change anything. Go to the doctor. Do things that help your health. Do things that help you grow and be a healthy human being. But beloved, when we look in the mirror, we need to be reminded this is not a, a Stuart Smalley thing of, thank you, thank you. There are some people out there who get that joke. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. Don't say that to yourself in the mirror. But what you can look at and say, God has created me to be who I am. I want to live to be sanctified more and more into the image of Christ. But God has given me what I have as gifts to be used, as means to serve, and as ways to love. And that's a beautiful thing. So this morning, as we prepare to take the supper, Richard is going to come lead us in that here in just a few moments. But creation, the fall messed it up. Jesus has come to redeem so that we can live as people who are living in the period of restoration to see all these things renewed. And that is a beautiful thought as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, as we move into the body and the blood to be reminded that if you're in Christ this morning, you're not who you were. You're not yet what you will be, but you're not who you were. And God called you, warts and all, to be who you are for the good of your community and for His glory. Please pray with me. Father, thank you this morning. This is, these are truths that we need. This is, uh, these are things that have to happen for us. And Father, I pray that you would convict us in ways in which we shy away from maybe conversations because we're scared or, or maybe we shy away because we're afraid we're going to lose contact with somebody. Father, give us wisdom and discernment on conversations we have to have. Help us to know when to speak up and when to prayerfully uh, listen. But, Father, help us to be bold and unashamed. Help us to be supremely loving and peaceful and hopeful and to bring glory to your name in all that we do. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.